Welcome to another episode in our Take Heart series. My name is Jeffrey, and today I want to uh, go through Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27 with you as we look at the solid foundation for life. And in this time that we're in, and, and just in life in general, it is important that we have a solid foundation, something that we can stand firm upon. And and one thing that we know is that happens only through Jesus Christ, because in this life, there's a lot of curveballs, there's a lot of unexpected things that get thrown at us, a lot of storms, a lot of trials, you know, a lot of testing that happens in this life. And, you know, the Lord is sovereign. The Lord knows all. The Lord uh, has, has seen and he knows what is coming in your life, what is already in your life. But you and I have to be founded in him. You and I have to be uh, just continually following him as our shepherd so that when these storms come that we are able to withstand that we're able to in the end as Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 through it all as we take up our armor uh, our armor of God that we are able to stand and that is our goal and this morning we're going to look at that solid foundation for life so that you and I can stand in the midst of life's storm so Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27 say this Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and now just to give you a little bit of context before I completely read all of this, is that this is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus who on the Sermon of the Mount, giving one of the greatest teachings, not one of the greatest teaching uh, ever to be spoken, ever to be shared uh, amongst the people here that he's speaking to. And he's also speaking to you and I in this moment because we know the Bible is living, that it's active. That is sharper than any two-edged sword. So in this moment, we're reading this, we're understanding this is coming from Jesus, and it's speaking to you and to me, and we have to understand the context of it all. And so I want to start off in verse 24, but I'm going to backtrack after and read verses 21 through 23 so we understand a little bit of the context. So verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell in great was its fall. Now that's not the picture that you and I want. That's not the situation and the person we want to be. We don't want to be this foolish man. We want to be the wise man. But the beginning of verse 24, Jesus says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. Now you have to read in context and go back and read everything that Jesus shared on the Sermon of the Mount. But he ends it with this uh, illustration and this uh, picture that we get here. But when he says, therefore, we want to go back and look and see what it's there for. So we want to just jump back a couple verses in verses 21 through 23 to understand a little bit of the context and why he's saying this. He, he says in verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But here's the kicker. But he who does the will of my father in heaven. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I, speaking of Jesus, never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And it's interesting that Jesus equates the type of works that we do with knowing him. Uh, we're going to talk, be talking about this morning that solid foundation, the appearance that we can have, that we are doing good works and that we know him, but it's a false appearance. So we want to just check our hearts and see where am I at in, in my life right now when it comes to my relationship with Jesus and what is being, uh, what is what is stemming from that relationship with him. So before you and I can be obedient to God, Jesus is telling us here in verses 21 through 23 because the, the verses 24 through 27 talk about obedience. You know, doing the, the, the things that Jesus has said. Hearing these things and doing them. But he says, therefore. And so before we can do those things, before we can be obedient to God, we must know him. Because that's exactly what he says. He says, look, you're going to be doing all these things, but there's going to be many who say, Lord, Lord, but he's going to say, depart from me. Because what? Not because you did bad works or good works, but because you never knew me. There must be a relationship, and what stems from that is a simple obedience to the things that God says. Now with this analogy that Jesus gives us here, there's two things that are the same and two things that are different with these houses that were built. Now both houses, they're similar in construction, and both houses must withstand the storms that come. Now the storms will come, it's, it's inevitable. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And now each house has a different material upon which its foundation is built upon. And each house, as we see, has a different final outcome. One house is built by a wise man who built upon a rock and it stands in the midst of storms. And the other is built by a foolish man who built it upon sand and it collapses. And now as we're reading this, you and I are thinking, who would ever build a house upon sand? And that's exactly what we want to question this today as we look at this who would really build their foundation uh, upon the sand who would really build their life upon an obedience that's not built upon knowing jesus christ to begin with now let's look at the similarities between the two let's look at the first one the first is that they both have a similar appearance they probably both looked like the same exact house right uh they both appeared similar. Nothing in the context of these scriptures suggests any difference in the outward appearance of the how, uh, how the houses looked and how they were built. The immediate context of the previous verses would suggest that the outward structures look very similar. Remember, as Jesus has said, and he said it earlier in chapter 7 of Matthew, that false prophets, wolves, they're not distinguished by their outward appearance. Hence, Jesus saying, there are wolves in sheep's clothing. They look right. They look good. They have a similar appearance. You're not able to distinguish by their outward appearance, but by the type of fruit that is actually produced. And also in verses 21 through 23, Jesus tells us that there are those who are deceived by their own self-righteousness. Outwardly, they were doing all the same things that somebody who was truly righteous would do. 
the outward appearance looks exactly the same. And this is a harmful deception of self-righteousness. Now, most of the distinctions Jesus has made have not been things that uh, would be noticed, noticed outwardly at the first glance, right? So again, they look similar, but there is a huge difference because we see the outcome. One falls, one stands. Jesus says that there's two men who built houses. One was wise, the other foolish, but you could not tell them apart by the outward structure. Now, when the storms came, then we see the difference because it is at that point that the foundation is tested. The foundation is tested. Listen, this is important for you and I because we live in a culture where appearance is everything. And we are a very superficial people. And it, it matters how people see us, how we're perceived, you know, especially through social media where we're able to portray, you know, who we are and what we want people to see. We're so worried about, you know, aesthetics and how things appear. And when we think about our first home or just our homes in general, uh, where we live, you know, we are all about, you know, designing and decorating and, you know, covering our walls and our floors and having beautiful kitchens and all these different things, which, you know, look very pleasing to the eye. And one thing which any engineer would tell you that is most important to any home that you live in is the foundation, is the foundation. And the foundation is not something that you and I are really excited about, you know? We're not excited to choose and to watch and see the foundation being built, but it's something that is necessary, something that's not even seen. And without a good foundation, it doesn't matter the appearance and the decoration of the things within our home because that home will not be able to stand. They will not be able to stand. Listen, the second similarity that we see here in this illustration is that both houses must endure the testing of the storm. Storms will come, and you know this. This isn't something that's new to you. There is no stopping storms, and when they come, it will test what is hidden from view. Are you more worried about what is visible rather than what is not visible? Listen, what are you doing in your own personal time? What are you doing when you're alone? Are you truly seeking a genuine relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Because from that is going to stem this beautiful appearance of good works that are going to withstand, that are going to withstand the storms of this life. And listen, we have to be obedient. We have to do good works because that's what Jesus requires of us. But we don't skip the step of knowing him first. We don't skip that step. Otherwise, you and I are going to be the ones who will stand before Jesus and he will say, depart from me for I never knew you. Yes, you prophesied in my name. Yes, you did ministry in my name. Yes, you know, you even read your Bible and you did these things and you did all these great works. But we never had this connection. You were never really, truly walking in the Spirit. You were not filled with the Holy Spirit. So, again, let's look back at these storms. These storms are good. <laughs> Doesn't sound like something that's good. None of us want to go through a hurricane, you know, a literal hurricane or an earthquake or none of these things. I understand that. And Jesus is using an analogy here. But when the storms of this life and the storms, you know, being... Uh, trials, you know, storms being 
uh, just different circumstances and situations that come in our life, things that can truly either tear us down or they can build us up and show us that we can stand in the midst of storms, but it's all built upon the foundation of obedience to Jesus and his work. Hear what he says and do what he says. Now storms will strengthen your relationship and your faith in God, but only if it is built upon the solid foundation upon the rock. First Peter chapter 1, 6-7 says this, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter is essentially saying, you are to rejoice that the genuineness of your faith is being tested by these various trials, and that the genuineness of your faith is more precious than the greatest thing here on earth being gold. Because the things of this earth will perish, but the faith that you have in your Lord and Savior will not perish. It will reveal to you that your faith in Jesus is real, and in the midst of that, it will be strengthened because it gets purged, it gets tested by fire, and all the impurities of your faith will be purged. And you'll be left standing, and you realize, and that is why we can greatly rejoice, because we are left standing in the midst of these trials, knowing that our faith in Jesus, and is Jesus who has kept us standing. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 3 basically say the same thing, where James reminds us, and he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Now, there are many different storms that come against us in this life, but as James and Peter encourage us and remind us that we are to be prepared, we are to be encouraged, and we are to greatly rejoice and count it joy. Now, we do not rejoice specifically over the storm. I am not rejoicing because of this certain situation that is happening. It is painful. It hurts. Peter says you are grieved by various trials. You and I may not go through it with a smile on our face. It may be painful. It may hurt. But we can greatly rejoice and we can have joy because not of the storm, but because of what the storm produces, because of the result of it because we realize we are standing upon a firm foundation, that we have Jesus, that our faith is being strengthened, that our relationship is being strengthened, that we have a living hope, that we have something to look forward to, that this life isn't the life that we were made for. This isn't the life that you and I uh, are to have our best life now. Our best life is later when it is in the presence of God in the place that he has prepared for us. Now let's look at the differences really quick. The difference between the wise man and the foolish man here in the story is what they do in response to what Jesus says in the sermon. And the difference between the two buildings is one building stands while the other one collapses. Now this is not, you know, to encourage a, a, a salvation that is based upon works, okay? Your works do not save you from the storm. That's not what Jesus is telling us here. Rather, you are saved by grace through faith and as you receive that grace through faith, good works are produced, right? Good works are produced. James chapter 1, 19 through 22 says this, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 
Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Now James tells us here in verse 19 that we are to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And many of us will take this and use this, you know, to, to use in a relationship, in a marriage, you know, you know, be quick to hear and slow to speak. But we have to understand that we have to read the Bible in context. And James, in the context of this verse, before and after it, is talking about the Word of God. So yes, you know, you can apply these truths to, you know, your, your relationship or your marriages or just in general conversations and communication. It will help you if you are quick to hear and slow to speak. Don't get me wrong, but in context, that's not what James is encouraging. He's encouraging us to be quick to hear when it comes to the Word of God. Be quick to hear God's word implies an attitude of eagerness to take in the word. Is that you? Then he says, be slow to speak. Now, James is not forbidding us from interacting with God's word and asking, you know, questions to gain understanding. Rather, he's confronting you and I, who is never silent before the Lord. When God's word confronts your ways, your ideas, and the things that you do, are you quick to argue with the Lord or to find excuses why it doesn't apply to you? Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. How do you respond when the Bible steps on your toes? Because listen, the Bible is offensive. The gospel of Jesus is offensive. It goes against the very sin nature that we have in us. It goes against it. So how do you respond? Maybe you're reading the Bible, maybe you're hearing it being taught, and it says something that you don't like. It confronts the way that you think or that you're living. How do you respond? Are you slow to wrath? And then in James chapter 1, verse 20, James closes that little section out, and he gives the reason that we should be slow to anger. He says, because for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If you want to grow in righteousness, stop fighting God's word and submit to it. Submit to it. But then James goes on and he says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. But remember, it starts with hearing, and then it ends, and it finishes, and it concludes with doing, with being obedient. All throughout scripture, the Bible talks about us as followers of Jesus, as followers of God, as children of God, that we are to be obedient to our Father. Are you obedient to God's word? Does it start with a relationship and a submission to him? Jesus says this in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. If you love Jesus, obey him. Hear what he says and do it. And you'll be likened unto the wise man who built his house upon the rock. When the storms come in this life, you will be left standing. But it is all dependent upon your relationship with him and your obedience to him. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? That's hypocritical. It's, it's complete opposite to so that you would call Jesus Christ your Lord, Lord, your Savior, and yet you don't listen and obey him? How do you not do the things which he says? In Luke chapter 11, verse 27, it says, And it happened as he spoke these things, that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, 
Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. But he said this, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Hear the word of God and keep it. Remember that Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. I want to encourage you with this this morning. Know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Know what he says. Read his word. And then just as importantly, what will stem from that overflow of knowing him, of being filled with the Spirit, of walking in the Spirit, is that you will be obedient to the things that he commands you and I. That we will walk in the Spirit and we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Don't skip that first step of walking in the Spirit and knowing God and knowing Jesus. Don't skip that step and try to not sin. Don't skip that step and try to be obedient. Don't skip that step and try to not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You will end up falling and falling and failing and failing and failing. And essentially what you're doing is you're doing it on your own humanly power. Know Jesus, be filled with the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and obey what He says because you love Him. Love you guys, and I'll see you next time.